0: Hey, everyone. In a billion years, there are two possibilities. Either you'll have been dead for a billion years, or you'll have been dead for a billion years and written a movie. Today's (laughs) book is Writing Movies for Fun and Profit by Robert ben Garant and Thomas Lennon.
1: I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, and this is by far the most entertaining book about how to make a billion dollars that I've ever read, aside from The Hunger Games.
0: And I'm David Vance. As a writer, I realized actors are the most famous, then directors, and writers only get famous for books, where there's no actor or director for people to love more. Writing movies for fun and profit is a practical guide to screenwriting. And this is The Book Pile. All right, introducing today's special guest... He's starring in the show Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, and he has two films he's written and starred in, Heel Kick, a comedy about wrestlers going pro on YouTube for a limited time, and Bulletproof, a very different movie where he plays a violent gangster alongside Vinnie Jones on Apple <laughs> TV, Amazon Prime, and On Demand. Kellen, please welcome Danny Mac.
2: Yeah, oh, thanks, guys. It, it's my honor to be the uh, the least well-read person on this podcast. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> glad you guys are finally being more inclusive and inviting people on who have to really stop and think whenever they're asked what the last book they read was.
0: I did text Danny like an hour ago asking if this was his favorite screenwriting book, and he texted back, I haven't read a ton, but yes, I suppose by default. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just know, Danny, I am going to be making a lot of power moves in this episode. Uh, Good to know your weaknesses, like your lack of reading, because what's intimidating uh, for (laughs) us is to have to do a podcast with someone who is more of an expert in the field of the book, because we usually just like to pretend we know what we're talking about without having anyone there with real world experience to contradict us.
0: No, I like leaning into the Simon Cowell aspect of it where he can criticize anyone singing because we've never heard how he sings. (laughs) All right. So Danny, what made this book stand out for you?
2: You know, as an actor, I think um, all my actor friends say things like, I'm also a screenwriter. I don't know. It's uh, one of those things that people can say they do and get away with, even though they Uh never having done it. It's not like someone can go around saying that they're a doctor and then, God forbid, someone screams in a restaurant, is there a doctor here? Because there's going to be a very embarrassing death. Um, But I do think (laughs) – I think this book is a really good tool to either inspire people to write or uh, let them know that it's not something that they should be doing because screenwriting and writing professionally, it just is not that fun. It isn't. I mean, that's why they crossed out the word fun in the book. It is rewarding. (laughs) This book, it more teaches you what's expected of you as a writer as well as a bounty of specific tips. And I think that that's really useful for people who either already are screenwriters or who just maybe want to find out if they are one. Hmm.
1: I liked that. I love the blunt truth about this book. They're very straightforward with you rather than saying, this is how anyone can become successful in Hollywood. They're Uh just like, look, here's what it entails. Here's your best shot at it. But also, if you don't want this, why did you buy this book?
2: Uh (laughs) I do want to preface and say that some jokes in the book have not aged super well, um, (laughs) uh, including referring to Jared from Subway as a celebrity, though he probably is the most (laughs) famous person in his cell block. I will give him that. But it is jam packed with practical advice and what's expected of screenwriters. So my advice is don't throw out the baby with the bathwater or in this case, don't throw out the screenwriting tips with the constant mention of Helen Mirren's boobs, of which there is
0: a lot.
1: That joke didn't age well the day it was published.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they make probably at least a joke, a chapter that is ironically sexist. And after there's enough of him, it's like, how ironic is the sexism?
2: <laughs> Dave and I were chatting about if the sexism is ironic or not. Dave thought that it probably was. And so now that I am publicly endorsing this book, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that, that it's
0: <laughs> ironic.
1: <laughs> All right. Lesson one. Don't hang your dreams on your one brilliant screenplay. And with this, you can replace the word screenplay with novel or app idea or child, whatever passion project (laughs) you might have. So in the book, they have a, a great real world experiment that they invite you to do where they say, all right, write a screenplay. We'll wait. Now write another screenplay. And then dot, dot, dot. Now write a third one done? Cool. Now go back and read that first one. Doesn't it suck? <laughs> also, I really hope there's at least one person out there who took this seriously and like didn't continue to read the book until they had followed each step. <laughs> and then the only payoff is, wasn't that first one bad? Anyway, on to chapter five. <laughs> but brilliant first albums are the exception, right? Like, There's only one Harper Lee... And by the way, the first sentence in Harper Lee's Wikipedia article reads, quote, Nellie Harper Lee was an American novelist best known for her 1960 novel, To Kill a Mockingbird. And it's like, nope, that's the only thing she's known for. (laughs) (laughs) Lee
0: Harvey Oswald, best known for... (laughs) (laughs) Although his later work dropped off...
1: (laughs)
2: Yeah, what a real one-and-done guy.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I just think that you get to a point of diminishing returns when you start to endlessly tinker with something that needs to be shelved in order to just take what you've learned and make a better, different thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hollywood doesn't care about your passion project. I've told this story before about how a server at a comedy club in Florida once gave me his 150-page script as I was walking out the door. No. <laughs> First of all, he broke the first rule of this book, which is if you want to be a screenwriter, move to L.A., right? Also, don't just hand over your passion project to someone who happens to live in the general vicinity of movie (laughs) studios. (laughs) Imagine meeting a stranger at Disneyland and you're like, hey, you're from Nashville? I'll take this CD I burned and let me know if I get a record deal over there.
2: Sort of a fun anecdote in that vein. Dan Harmon, the creator of Community and Rick and Morty, a young lady once went up to him with a screenplay and said, You inspired me to be a writer. Would you mind signing this screenplay? It's the first one I ever wrote. And he said, Sure. And he took it from her and she ran away and screamed, My email is on there. I'd love some notes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: such an ineffective method that i almost want to like lean even more ineffective like oh you're amy poehler here's my album of uh butterfly photography (laughs) that joke came to me like five minutes ago and i was like no that's stupid don't say that and then it wouldn't go away
1: Anyway, later in ran random facts section, I have a short story about uh, being on the wrong end of this with uh, Conan's head writer. I love Ooh. it. <laughs> yeah. So, so no one's without sin. Um, I love this quote from the book. Sending out your script unsolicited is about as appealing to agents as a cold call from a discount butt sandwich company. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If I had a dime.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Danny's been paying full price for butt sandwiches.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Their takeaway advice is, quote, A method that'll have a much higher success rate rather than spending years on an epic screenplay would be to write a short script, funny, scary, or touching, and just shoot it. Get it up on YouTube or Funny or Die. Well, that, I mean, Funny or Die is dead, so that doesn't (laughs) matter anymore. Be creative. Do a reading. Put up a play. Enter a screenwriting competition. Try anything. You'll have to. But the absolute fastest way is to already have something produced, something concrete they can point to and say, there's talent even if it's 30 seconds long and only on the internet. And speaking of Dan Harmon, just know that he recently made a deal with Adult Swim to make 70 more episodes of Rick and Morty for millions of dollars. And you can still find a nine part YouTube mini series he did in 2007 called Laser Fart. Wow. <laughs>
0: Danny, that's pretty much what you did, though, right? Didn't You just funded and filmed Heel Kick, right?
2: I did, yeah. I literally Googled how to write a business plan at one point. I didn't know how to do anything, and <laughs> it was a story that I wanted to tell, I wanted to write it, and I wanted to act in it, so... Yeah, unfortunately, I had to learn a lot of other things about the filmmaking industry to make that happen, um, including spending six months in a professional wrestling school. But uh, I do look back on it in the same way that these authors say, look back on three screenplays ago. Didn't it suck? I I wouldn't say that it sucks, but it's, it's cool to see... you've progressed over the years and how you've become a better writer and what you would have done different
1: well you were asking us earlier uh how it felt having already done a hundred episodes of the podcast and i guess that my best answer is related to that which is i'm proud of about the last 27. (laughs) i was telling
0: kellen i wish i could go back and tell myself don't do all your favorite nonfiction books when you are the worst at podcasting.
2: <laughs> you know, it's kind of makes my heart warm to know that one day you guys will hate this very episode too.
1: I hate it right now. <laughs> we'll be like, hey Dave, remember when we used to have bad guests? <laughs> His code for
0: bad guests is guests who have made more movies than us.
2: (laughs) In my defense, I did start this episode with, I don't ever read.
0: (laughs) But do you listen? Because Kellen's always telling me I don't read either. (laughs) This book, it's not on Audible, so I got it on Kindle and
1: had Siri read it to me, and it sounds just as awful as that sounds. (laughs) Okay. If anyone listened to the last episode, just remember that on that one, Dave interrupted the great Chad Daniels to say, hold on, in my defense, I do read books, too.
0: (laughs) Well, I really do. This one was on deadline, though. I just feel like I feel like if you met like a blind person who read in Braille and they said they read a book, you wouldn't be like, uh, you
1: mean you felt it? <laughs> okay. I can tell you, Dave, you've been thinking about this a lot since I that episode. <laughs> I just want well, you to know. you sprung on me that... this, like, two-on-one fight. <laughs> I just want you to know that you have spiraled down to a place where you are comparing yourself to blind people. <laughs>
0: I should have come to this with, like something prepped with danny like <laughs> danny don't we both agree stand-up sucks <laughs> hold on guys
2: dave i told you through text i am not doing this thing with you <laughs> okay lesson number two take advice from those who've both failed and succeeded so the guys who wrote this book thomas lennon and ben Grant, They've probably written at least one film that you've seen, enjoyed, definitely heard of. You know, they have the Night at the Museum movies, Starsky and Hutch, Reno 911. They're also responsible for what some would generously refer to as called classics like Balls of Fury, Let's Go to Prison, Strangers of Candy – And they've also made some outright flops that were destroyed by critics, like Taxi with Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah (laughs) and Herbie Fully Loaded with Lindsay Lohan. And by the way, if you ever want a confidence booster about your own writing, check out the Rotten Tomatoes reviews for those last two films. It may give you the confidence to dust off that long-gestating fidget spinner movie you've been writing these past several years.
0: Someone for sure pitched a fidget spinner movie. I would bet $50. (laughs)
2: Oh, absolutely. My point is this. Even their failures are still films with movie stars in them and scripts that were sold to major studios. And I can tell you as a filmmaker that anytime you see a movie that you consider to be even kind of good, a million things went perfectly right to produce that effect.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Also, a lot of film schools, I assume, I never went to one, they have their students watch the classics, but I find it so much more difficult to learn from a flawless movie than one with mistakes. So, for example... Take out a legal pad and a pen and watch two movies and try to make a list of notes of how you'd make those movies better. First of all, watch Jurassic Park. And then after that, watch Ballistic, X vs. Sever, or Battlefield Earth. I bet your <laughs> list will be quite a bit bigger for the latter films.
0: I'm going to watch Heel Kick and Bulletproof. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. As a side note. Those last two films I mentioned, they're on Rotten Tomatoes' top 10 worst movies of all time list. And I actually saw wow. both of them in the theater with when they first came out <laughs> and even worse, I saw them with my dad and there's one part in Battlefield Earth where John Travolta says something kind of amusing and I laughed and I think I lost some of my dad's respect forever that day
1: <laughs> and ours just now <laughs> Jurassic Park is uh in my absolute like top five favorite movies uh but I think my one note of the movie would be no one's a hero like <laughs> Everyone was going to die when they were surrounded by velociraptors, and by chance, the T-Rex barged in, and by chance, he decided to eat the other dinosaurs rather than the people. (laughs) And then it's over. (laughs) Sometimes the hero is God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, lesson three. Write with actors in mind. This is a short one. They have you read the scene with two characters, and one is a tough, muscular military general, and the other is this skinny MIT genius kid, and and you read the scene and you try to imagine it. Then they give you the same scene, and instead of description they just say, think Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jesse Eisenberg. And now you read the scene and you can imagine it so much better, and it really, you know, those specific actors just bring it to life. And I like that so much that I've started
1: picturing everyone as Jesse Eisenberg. (laughs) And along those uh, along those lines, I write my jokes for each of these podcast episodes with Matthew McConaughey's voice in mind. So everyone <laughs> out there who's like, "Ah, oh, Kellen sounds like a stoner," <laughs> I'm kidding. It's just because I write shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> On that
2: note, um, one great piece of advice in this book: they suggest that you write characters who the letter of their first name is different for every character. And they explain that this will save you time when you put in the letter B, but if you have a character named Brittany and one named Brent and one named Bartender, you're going to have to scroll through and individually pick which one you want for that line of dialogue. It sounds like nitpicking, but they are absolutely right. It honestly will save you from pulling out at least one clump of hair throughout writing a script.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Lesson four. Just know that there will be too many cooks. So one thing that surprised me about this book, aside from the frequent use of the word balls, was how many (laughs) writers these big Hollywood films go through. Yeah. I guess the the reasons being studio execs either get too nervous if it's not good enough or they want someone who will put their ideas into the script. I was getting vicariously angry at these stories of how everyone has notes Everyone wants their fingerprints on a script. Danny, you know that Dave and I occasionally work for this advertising agency where some, not all, but some of the executives there use this Ratatouille-esque mantra of, a good idea can come from anywhere, right? <laughs> when they see, say that, they mean them. <laughs> <laughs> I know they mean well, like, it's it's to encourage people who maybe feel lower on the totem pole to speak up. But what I've found from real-world experience is that really bad ideas come from everywhere. <laughs> I also love that the original writer was pulled off of Ratatouille, replaced by Brad Bird, who then won the Oscar for original screenplay. <laughs> So, garrett and lennon their advice which is obviously earned is to just take all of this as part of the job take the dumb notes from people who have never written a movie in their life try your best to incorporate them in uh, without ruining your brilliant film about sentient cookies or whatever and also how they say to take getting fired as a plus because it means that the studio or is at least hiring someone else to work on the script which means they're investing in getting the movie made you you brought up herbie fully loaded uh Earlier, the Lohan classic, originally written by uh, Garand and uh, Lennon, but they were fired during production, and it then went through 24 other writers. Oh, man. Also, doesn't it seem like most movie critics have no idea how a movie is made? (laughs) Because (laughs) these movies are created by thousands of people and apparently dozens of writers sometimes. So then for a critic to watch this two and a half hour film that took four years to make to then sit back and go, Man, Garant has really lost his touch. Like to... (laughs) oversimplify it by a million
0: maybe herbie fully loaded had 24 writers kind of like a firing squad so everyone can think maybe they didn't kill it
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right lesson five forget the outliers so a lot of the advice in this book deals with absolutes you must live in la you must write every day you must outline before you write or you'll fail Now, you don't actually have to do these things to succeed in show business. All three of us are outliers. I'm currently based in Vancouver. Uh, I don't write every day, and even if I could, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm in the arts, so yes, I hate myself to some extent, but not that much. I would not write every day.
1: (laughs) I knew we'd become best friends, Danny.
2: (laughs) You get it. You will also (laughs) scream into the mirror as soon as we're done recording this. I get it. One and the same. And also outlines aren't necessary to complete a screenplay. Even someone who I actually would refer to as a screenwriting guru, John August, uh, he rarely outlines in depth and he only had a single page outline for the entire script for Big Fish, which is a pretty intricate story to me because I do love writing. When I read this book, I kind of take it as a fun challenge. You know, I'm excited about the idea of committing more deeply to the craft, but if you can't do a couple of these hard and fast rules, that's totally fine, right? If you can't move, that's okay, you can succeed elsewhere. But if you have the ability, time and resources to do all of their advice and you simply choose not to, it might be an indicator that this isn't necessarily the passion for you. And I don't wanna say that to discourage anyone, but again, I am friends with an inordinate amount of actors who also call themselves screenwriters, who absolutely (laughs) do not like or know how to write screenplays at all. (laughs) And I want to tell them, quitting feels so sweet.
0: Just embrace it.
2: (laughs) Kellen, I have a question for you. They do say in this book that you should be writing constantly. Uh, I guess I'm trying to ask, what's the level of fun versus obligation uh, in you constantly getting up on stage?
1: Getting on stage is luckily, uh, it's a mix of a compulsion and it's a blast. But the the writing part is still the harder, boring part of it, for sure.
2: I think that's one of the through lines I've found whenever I talk to people who are professional writers. The three of us, we all write comedy. And I think we would all agree that while sometimes it can be the most fun that you have that day... Um, Those are fleeting moments. And then there is just agony in writing and trying to come up with the best material.
0: I've been keeping quiet because I didn't want to be weird, but I I actually do really like writing every day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think we made it clear earlier, Dave, Danny and I hate ourselves. (laughs) So to have to sit down and write with someone you hate, you wouldn't understand.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad at least now you can hate me too. (laughs) all right random facts on the cover the authors are wearing suits and they're posing with these women in bikinis and one of them that's his wife the other one is married but that's not his wife (laughs) (laughs) so
2: these guys wrote taxi and if you haven't heard of taxi it stars jimmy fallon and queen latifah And I remember when this movie came out, it truly was dumped on by critics. Here's one. This reviewer says, quote, films that are such an abhorrent waste of time and talent, you wish a truck would come by and smash you to little itty bits and pieces. For at least in death, the pain would finally be over. (laughs) So, you know, it wasn't the best movie that year.
1: (laughs) When I looked up Herbie Fully Loaded on Rotten Tomatoes, the algorithm then gave me some suggestions with a list titled You Might Also Like. And it was followed by Agent Cody Banks, Destination London, and Airbud <laughs> 2, The Golden Receiver.
0: Not even the first one
1: of either of those. <laughs> Both of them get 20%. So it's like Rotten Tomatoes is saying, <laughs> Oh, so you're, like, into dumb movies? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Here's a not-so-random fact, because it's actually from the book, but I found this both fascinating and depressing. Uh, the Reno 911 movie that these guys made, they made it for $9 bucks and it grossed over $22 wow. million. And that alone was not enough money to warrant making a sequel. Um, they wow, say this man. in the book, quote, If you made $12 bucks in any other business, you're a genius. Not in the movie biz. (laughs) Hmm. So yeah, maybe take your mom's advice and get that real estate license because (laughs) it seems like a hard industry.
1: (laughs) One part of the book that I thought was funny just from personal experience, when they're talking about the difference between agents and managers, they say agents are glitzy, managers are down to earth. And it just reminded me of uh, my first agent who, after I got into this big comedy festival, we celebrated by going to a French restaurant, and then he asked them if they had chicken strips.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hope he asked in French.
2: (laughs) One thing I like about this book is that it is not so subtly written in an easy-to-read way, the same way that a screenplay would be. So... In screenwriting, Mm -hmm. bold letters, italics, capitalization, and ample white space. It's all very easy on the eyes. No page is too congested, just like how a good screenplay should look. So the Mm -hmm. book is an incredibly easy-looking read. I just found that uh, very page-turny, especially when certain pages just have, you should write every day written... In giant, bold letters across
0: the page. (laughs) There's also an entire page that just says, ha, 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 ha. And the result is, if you're listening to Siri say it, it's like, ha, 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 ha.
1: In the book, they talk about, like, it's just part of the job. They say, you have to take notes because you sold the movie and it's not yours anymore. And I get what they're saying. But imagine if Leonardo da Vinci's patron, uh, King Francis, was like... You know, I feel like uh, Mona Lisa should be happier. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe give her a ferret like that other painting you did.
2: (laughs) But One thing I thought was cool was this book offers the best and possibly the only advice on writing with a partner that I've come across. Um, Basically, they say that they outline everything together, then divide up all the scenes, flip a coin, someone gets odds, someone gets evens, and that's which scenes that they work on. This way, they write in half the amount of time, meaning they can produce work twice as quickly. And I thought that was a really elegant solution to figuring out how a screenwriting team could work. It's also much more efficient than my process, which I write a lot with my writing partner, uh, Cooper Bebo, who I wrote Bulletproof with. I will meet up with him to ask if we should put a comma in a different place on a
1: sentence. <laughs> Bullet, comma, proof. <laughs> <laughs> you do that enough, and uh, your writing partner's gonna flip that 2 faced coin of his. <laughs> he
2: makes his own luck, yeah. <laughs>
1: So, I once met Brian Kylie, who was the head monologue writer for Conan for years. I uh, met him at this show that we both just happened to be on uh, in Los Angeles. He's a great comic, too. He's a one-liner comic, which is pretty rare now. My favorite one, uh, my favorite joke that I remember was, I call my wife Pumpkin uh, because every Halloween she gets smashed. <laughs> <laughs> So I I caught up with him uh, after the show. I chased him out of this venue and I was like, hey, you were funny. It's so great to meet you. Uh, Riding on Conan is like my dream. And he said, (laughs) don't put all your eggs in one basket. (laughs) And I was like, thanks, hero. Isn't that crazy? to be like i look up to you this is the one show that i want to do and he's just like like he flicks a cigar at my face
0: (laughs) and
2: you're like so don't send you my writing packet yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if it's like this is your one show but you are his 80th person that said that this week i'm
2: (laughs) now i'm I'm gonna do something kind of mean i'm gonna Basically read an excerpt from what is ostensibly the last page of the book. It'll be a lot like this time my friend Matt showed me the final showdown in the film The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly and then lied to me and told me the rest of the movie was just as exciting as that scene. (laughs) And to any older listeners, if you think that cinema peaked with that film, go back and watch all three hours of it without looking at your phone once. And if you can do that, Dave and Kellen will buy you a ticket to Westworld. Um, here's what they say in the book. And I thought it's quite poignant. Um, as a writer in Hollywood, there are many things that you cannot control. Decisions affecting your career will be made while you are not in the room all the time. There will always be writers who are more connected than you. There's nothing you can do about that. Don't worry about the things you can't control. Worry about the things you can. The one thing you can control is this. You can always work harder than the next guy. So do.
1: Mm I love it. There is this article with a a very, very rare interview with John uh, Schwarzwelder, who is the Simpsons writer of all Simpsons writers. He says he would write the first draft of a story all in one night, just as, as wow. fast as he could. And he said, because rewriting is so much more fun and relatively easier than writing. And so he just wanted to get it done with. And he said, when I would do that, you put it away. Then you wake up the next day. It's as if a couple of crappy elves put together a script for you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's a, an affectionate term for the first pass of your script in Hollywood called the vomit draft. And it's oh for that God. exact reason <laughs> you need to just barf something out onto the keys so that you have something uh, to work off of. And of course we've all heard the term writing is rewriting. And uh, sure. yeah.
1: That's why uh, I, I came up with this, this other phrase that I like to share with you. I'm not an actor, but I made it up for actors and it's that, Acting is reacting, Danny.
0: <laughs> mm. <gasps> Producing is reproducing. Okay, it doesn't work for everything. <laughs> All right, to recap our favorite lessons from writing movies for fun and profit one, don't hang your dreams on your one brilliant screenplay. Two, take advice from those who have both failed and succeeded. Three, write with actors in mind. Four, just know that there will be too many cooks. Five, forget the outliers.
1: baseball is the only sport in the world where you're watching a game and all of a sudden you're like hold on is that is that just like a fat guy on the team